Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We pray that today as we open your word uh, on the man Jacob, that you would just uh, help our hearts to be open to receive what you want to say. God, I know I have written down what I feel your spirit wants to say to our people today. But you're so kind because there's so many different people in this room with different stories that you know how to speak to each one of us in in a very unique, specific way. And so today, we open our heart to you. In Jesus' name, somebody say a loud amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're starting a brand new series. It's going to be several weeks on the life of Jacob, and we're subtitling this series, A Life Transformed by Grace, because this is really what happens to Jacob. And so over these next several weeks, we're going to discover some of the the highlights and low light moments of Jacob's life as God transforms him. And I think um, when we look at this man, I think we're all going to realize that we are all just like Jacob. We struggle against God and his purposes for our life and, and we fight and we're impatient. Yet God, in his kindness to us, he breaks through our stubborn, sinful hearts and he transforms us and makes us into who he wants us to be. And I like to say, despite us. And so God is truly the hero of Jacob's life. Well, I'm going to invite Julia to come on up, our youth intern, and she's going to read the passage for today. Y'all can cheer for her if you know her and you love her. Julia, you have been a solid rock as a youth intern. And man, we are so proud of you and uh, so many different areas. And I, one of the things that I really love about you is that you just have a yes on your heart. And um, not because you're a people pleaser, but because you're a God pleaser. And I know your heart says, God, whatever you want from me, my answer is yes. So we're proud as a staff and as a church to just be alongside this journey with you and watch you develop and grow. Hey, why don't you kick us off today and read the passage for us? All right, we're looking at Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 19, and it says this. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. The two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was six years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and Esau was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. When Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way, and thus Esau despised his birthright. So that's our text for today. Now we're going to pray just before Pastor Sean preaches a good word. 
So Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word that you've given us. God, we thank you that it is in fact a tangible version of yourself. And we just ask that you would have your way in this service, Lord, as Pastor Sean brings a word that each individual in here would not just hear his voice, but yours as we learn and grow together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Julia. Great job. So the title of today's message is The Beginning. Well, that's just simply because it's the beginning of Jacob's life. And so we're going to be taking a look at um, kind of Jacob's family, his family of origin, kind of pre all of the story, because I believe that it's really in Jacob's family of origin that, that we find the backdrop of his life. And so we're going to notice some things about this passage. The first thing we notice in your notes is Jacob's family of origin. So we see this in the very opening verses of our passage. The, the writer sets the stage and reminds us where Jacob actually comes from. Now, what's a family of origin, you might ask? Well, it's just the people who gave us birth and raised us, and it goes back two to three generations. Why is a family of origin so important? Why is it listed here in this passage? Why might it be important for us to know and understand? Because it's in our family of origin that we really discover how and why we've been shaped the way we are. You know, our family determines a lot of things about us, and oftentimes, because of our families two to three generations behind us, they teach us how to think about things like religion and how to think about things like people and the world around us. Um, Just so you know, you don't think the way you do all on your own. Uh, It has been poured into you and invested into you because of the generations that came before you. So here in these opening verses, scripture names Jacob's grandparents and and it goes on to give a, a really cool description and we're going to begin to notice some things about Jacob's family of origin here and in this introduction it goes back a few different generations. So here in the opening verses it names his grandparents and so we're going to have a little bit of fun and I want to notice some things about his family of origin. And in your notes, here's what we're going to kind of pay attention to as we think about his family of origin. We're going to pay attention to, in your notes, that his family had favorable traits. Yeah, there were some really good things about his family. And so we're going to notice first this guy. And I kind of have to write small. Abraham. Sorry, guys. I'm not a a fantastic speller. Um, So we're going to notice Abraham. The Bible describes Abraham as Jacob's grandfather. And I think one thing that I, I want to do so that we just kind of notice this, we're going to write Jacob down here, okay? Jacob. So Abraham was his grandfather, and Abraham was a man of great character. In fact, the Bible describes Abraham as being faithful. Abraham was an obedient man. And Hebrews actually tells us that because of Abraham's belief in God and his faith in God, that God said, Abraham, I'm going to count you as one of my righteous ones. And so the really cool thing about this is that God counted him righteous before the Old Testament and before the New Testament, before there was even a law to fulfill and before Jesus ever came and died for anybody, that God always desired for you and I to just trust and believe in him. And when we trust and believe in who God is and who his son is, he will count us as righteous. So 
then the next person uh, next to Abraham is actually this, this lady right here, Sarah. This is Jacob's grandmother, Sarah. The Bible says some really incredible things about Sarah. One of the things we notice about some really good traits is that Sarah was trusted by God. How many of you know that it's pretty cool to be trusted by God? And God trusted her to carry out a really important task. And that task was to bear a child for Abraham. A child, in fact, that God said to, to Sarah and Abraham, he said, Sarah and Abraham, I want to bless the entire world through you too. And I'm going to bless the world so much that there will not be enough in your own family to contain the blessings of God. And they're just going to overflow from your family into the entire world. And so God had some really incredible promises uh, to Sarah and Abraham. And, and the promises to Sarah and Abraham was not only that he was going to bless the world, but he was going to bless them. He was going to bless them with land. He was going to bless them with lots of children and lots of blessings so much that the world cannot contain them. The Bible describes Sarah also as a woman who was steadfast. She was hospitable. She was loyal and fearless. The Bible describes her as being very beautiful. And so there's some really favorable traits in Abraham and Sarah as we look in Scripture. Uh, in fact, uh, the promise that God gave them, it, it said this, that, that God was going to give them a child. And through this child, these were all of the blessings were going to flow through these children. But the interesting thing is that there was actually 25 years but when God gave them the promise to when they actually had a child. So can you imagine God coming and saying, hey, I'm going to bless you and you're going to have children. But yet Sarah struggled with fertility for 25 years. Can you imagine that? Sometimes struggling with it for one month, two months, six months is devastating to the heart of a woman who desires to have a baby and has a word from God. Has God ever given you a word about something and you had to wait? Waiting is tough. So God gives this promise to her and they wait and they wait and they wait. And it wasn't until Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 75 years old before they actually had their child. How many think it would be fun having kids at 175? Not too fun. But here's one of the things that I think that we can learn from their story is this, that God's word to us is not always filled by an immediate response. And sometimes when God whispers something into our heart or, or we sense that he gives us a promise, we want him to do it right away. We want him to do it in our timing. We want him to do it not only in our timing, but also in our way. But we've got to remember that just because God gives us a word, it doesn't mean that he's going to immediately fulfill it. And so this couple, they waited and they waited and they waited for God's promise and through discouragement, through probably what felt like silence, they continue to wait. I believe today that maybe there's some people in the room that just God wants to encourage you. Maybe you've been waiting. Maybe you've been barren. And, and it doesn't seem like the, the word or the things that God has spoken to you have not come to pass yet. But I think God wants to use this couple and really this family of origin to help you to realize that God hears you. He sees you. It was actually his word over you. And he's going to fulfill his word because that's who he is. But it's going to be in his timing. And it's going to be in his ways. And we just need to wait 
and stand on his promise. Well, this leads us to Abraham and Sarah's kids. And um, one of the things that we notice in scripture is that they have some kids and actually they have a lot of kids, but Abraham and Sarah actually get impatient, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. And so the, their, their first kid that they have is a, is a guy named Ishmael. And then the, the second child that they have is Isaac. Ishmael and Isaac are born to Abraham and Sarah, and they actually have some really good traits. Well, Isaac has good traits, not Ishmael. And so right down in the, the line of Jacob, Isaac is actually Jacob's dad. And so let's take a look at some favored traits in Isaac's life. Uh, Isaac was a man who also, too, was obedient to God. Isaac waited on God, and, and him and his wife had promises uh, just like Sarah and Abraham had promises. And Isaac married somebody named Rebecca. We're just going to do R so we can just kind of speed things up this morning. But they waited too for 20 years. Do you see like a pattern that's happening in this family of origin? Barrenness and waiting and struggle. And so this is like a repeated theme that's being passed down in this family of origin. And it's interesting um, that the Bible describes Isaac as being a man who was peaceable. Uh, he was a bit passive. He was not confrontational. But just like his father Abraham, Isaac was faithful and he was obedient and he was trusted by God. Do you also see some of those same traits being passed down in this family of origin uh, to Isaac? So God wanted to make Abraham into a great nation. And, and this may feel like a big Bible lesson, today, but I promise you that it's going to begin to make a lot of sense. God promised to bless the world through this man, through a child. So he had a child, Isaac, and God was going to continue to bless the world. And the same blessings that God gave Abraham, they continued to Isaac. God was going to bless the world through Isaac. Now, because of Sarah and Abraham's impatience and having this child, Ishmael, who was actually their first son, that wasn't God's promise. His promise wasn't to bless the world through a first son or through any woman, Abraham. It was actually a promise to bless the world through specifically Abraham and Sarah. And so how many know that there are times where we get impatient and we try to go and do things our own way and it never works out right? Have you ever tried that before? And... The interesting thing is, although they tried to go and do their own way, it still didn't stop God's promises. And I want you to know that there may be some things in your life that you tried to take the shortcut, and you tried to do some things personally to speed up God's plan for your life, and in fact, you were very disobedient. But I want you to know that God is still kind when he gives you a word, and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness is more incredible than you can ever imagine, and our dumbness, I'm not calling you dumb, I just said our dumbness, my dumbness, I speak for myself, cannot trump the promises of God on my life because God's a man of his word. Aren't you grateful for that? I'm so grateful that God does that. So we've noticed some good things about Jacob's family of origin. Let's notice some flaws in your notes. We're gonna notice also that his family, they had some flawed traits. So they had some favorable things, but they had a lot of flawed traits. And, and we already know that Abraham and Sarah, they tried to speed up God's plan and they had this son named Ishmael. And, and I think it's really interesting to know that Ishmael actually had 12 sons. 
I'm not counting. I'm just like, eh, eh, just, we're just making lines. That, that represents 12 sons. Ishmael actually had 12 sons. And the crazy thing was, is he was blessed too with a lot of children, the same way that Isaac is going to be blessed with kids. And it's, and it's quite interesting that God's had a ton of blessings on Ishmael's life. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But Abraham and Sarah's home life was actually quite a mess. They weren't the perfect family with no faults. How many know that there's no perfect family out there? We all have good things in our family, and we all have things that we like to hide under the rug, things that we just wish that you know people wouldn't go write books about and just let the whole world read them. Thank you, Moses, for, for writing all the dirt on, on this family. I'm sure Abraham was really grateful for that. But the Bible actually describes that um, that. Isaac and Ishmael didn't get along at all. In fact, the Bible says that Ishmael persecuted Isaac. And there was a lot of family strife. And how many know that um, holidays around their family were probably not really fun when you have children that are persecuting each other? Some of you maybe know what that's like to have kids that don't get along at all. And so there was a ton of strife in this family. And, you know, Jacob had, had a great dad, but... You know, Uncle Ish over there, man, he, he kind of went on his own way. And we, he went and did his own thing. And that, too, is a part of Jacob's family of origin. The Bible describes that Uncle Ish was, he was a wild man. He was, uh, he was all about his own ideas, and he liked his own way. And, in fact, the Bible actually um, describes, if you look through history and you look through uh, ancient writings, that Ishmael is actually the beginnings of the Islamic religion. In fact, still today, um, there are wars in our world because of these two brothers that couldn't get along because they went their own separate way. And the unrest between the Middle East and the Christian world is because of the rivalry of these two brothers. So this brings us next to Isaac uh, and his sons. We know that he has a son, Jacob, but he also has another son, Esau. Do you guys see the pattern that's being passed down? These two brothers have strife with each other the same way that Abraham's sons had strife with each other. And this flaw of strife and not getting along is being passed down. And for generations, we're seeing this in his family of origin, in his history. And it's interesting that regardless of God's blessings on these parents' lives, they're still full of strife and they're still trying to do things their own way. And Jacob's parents, Isaac and Rebecca, um, they play favorites with their kids. And it's interesting that the Bible too describes that Abraham played favorites with his kids. He favored Isaac over Ishmael. And so we see the same thing in their parenting style with Jacob and Esau, that they too favor their kids. How many know that's not a great parent uh, attribute to have to favor your kids? And so because of the favoring over one another, the Bible describes that, that Jacob's dad favored Esau and that his mom favored him. Do you see how funny that is? It's like, okay, you're going to favor him, so I'm going to favor the other kid. And his mom probably babies Jacob a little bit. But can you imagine being Jacob, being raised in this house? How many know that you can't hide favoritism? 
People see it, and they notice it, and they recognize it. And so Jacob grows up in a home wondering, man, is my dad ever going to love me the way he loves Esau? Is he going to invite me to hang with him the same way that he invites Esau to hang with him? And so Jacob's mom is seeing all this go on, and she knows that there's a promise from God upon his life, and she understands what's happening. And we read a lot about this in the scripture early, so I won't re-describe it over and over again, but his mom is protective. And it's crazy that his mom actually steps in as we read in the story And she begins to do things her own way. And she was so impatient as she was waiting on God for the promise. And I'm not dogging her for waiting because we just said earlier, waiting is difficult. But she struggled. And this led her to conspire with her son, Jacob, and one of the biggest deceptions against her own husband. I mean, the one that, you know, in 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 a marriage relationship... We're supposed to be one. We're supposed to do everything together. We're supposed to be on the same page. And, and she goes behind her husband's back and helps Jacob with a massive deception over her father. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail next week. This was a great offense to God. It offended God greatly. And as we notice this pattern We see these favorable traits in the family, but we see these flawed traits being passed down from family member to family member. And it's interesting as we take a look at the scripture that God actually chose, it was God's choice. He chose Isaac and Jacob, but he did not choose Esau and Ishmael. And I think it's important for us to understand that Out of God's sovereignty and God's governance, he does things how he wants to do them. And he lifts up who he wants to lift up. And God chose to lift up the brothers, or the, the two men, Isaac and Jacob. And here's what's important for us to understand, is that sometimes people see God's choice to bless the world through Isaac and Jacob as God not choosing to love the others. And and I want us to just be really clear that God's love is equal to everybody. And the Bible doesn't say that God predestined these two guys to serve and follow God, but these two guys, but not these two guys. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says in Genesis 12, the word from God to Abraham is that I have chosen you to be a blessing to the world. It was God's choice to bless the world with these, through these two gentlemen. It was not at the expense of these two guys. But God just said, I'm going to choose to bless the world through this family. So I want them to experience my blessings, but it's just going to come through these. Now, these two guys, as we get into the further weeks, we begin to understand that they didn't live in God's blessings the same way that God desired. They didn't receive the family lineage and the worship of God the same way that the other guys did. But it was their choice to not do that. They lived under a family who was extremely blessed by God. So much blessing, in fact, that it overflowed and spilt over to them. Many of us have been very blessed by God. How many of you have seen it in your own life? That God's word has been planted in you. His seed's been planted in you. 
And unfortunately, there's been times where you did not receive his seed. And you chose to go your own way. And you chose to do your own thing. But God desires that the whole world would know his love and kindness. And that was his desire with this family, to spread the love and kindness and blessings of God to the entire world. This is how the entire Bible starts everything out. And we're going to notice over the next several weeks that Jacob, as we look at his life, some of the highlights and lowlights, he had some of the worst flaws of his parents. Sure, he had some of the favorable traits, but he had some terrible flaws. You and I have some of the favorable traits of our family, but how many know we have some terrible flaws of our family? You know, a lot of us grew up and we say, I'm never going to be like dad. I'm never going to be like my mom. I'm never going to do like they did. Yet we turn around and we find ourselves to be just like them. We say things like them. We have mannerisms like them. And then there's some things about our family that we go, I really hope that I have that attribute of my dad in my life. I really hope that I have that attribute of my mom in my life. You know, I got to tell you something so funny, and maybe it's just funny to me, but um, my wife has some favorable traits of her family. And she has some not so favorable traits in her family. I saw somebody go like this in the background. I I think they're like rooting for me to get in a lot of trouble right now, which I might. And, you know, I can handle it, you know. So how many know our our former pastor, Mike Benson, is my father-in-law. It is also my wife's daddy. And he would admit to you that he has some not so favorable traits. But one of those not so favorable traits is that he's technologically flawed. He He really struggles with technology. In fact, um, there are some things that like, I'm like, Ellie can show you how to do that. Or, or how many times do we need to show you how to print something from the printer? And so it's just crazy. Like some things are just so difficult for him. And, but he would just openly admit and he would just say, well, that's why I hired you. So I don't have to do the printer. I'd be like, you're so right about that. Yes, sir. I will be the greatest servant. I will print off whatever you need printed. I got you. No problem. But So he likes to hire people for his weaknesses, and he passed down that technological flaw to his daughter, my wife. And so my wife wanted me to get her a treadmill recently, and so I I did like every good husband does. I went to Facebook Marketplace, and I went to find the best deal that I could find. And, and, And Bruce, thank you for your help. But... We had to disassemble this treadmill and climb down uh, from the third floor, and it was, it was amazing. So it's all set up in the house, and I think to myself, you know what? I'm going to get my, my wife, she's technologically challenged, and she still uses wired headphones. And I'm like, and I'm going to get her a pair of Bluetooth headphones, and man, this is going to be so amazing. She's going to love it. Because, you know, have you ever tried to, like, run or do activities with a wire attached to you? That's, like, so, you know... 1999, SO 2000s to still have wired headphones. I don't even, I don't own wired headphones. I don't know very many people who do. There's very few times where you need wired headphones. So I hook them up and, and I like present them to her and I'm just like, oh, here's some wireless headphones. She's like, wow, thanks, babe. It was like she didn't know what to do with them. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I already got them hooked up for you. And so she's pumped and I know that she cannot wait to put her new wired headphones on. And so the next day, um, I come into the kitchen and, you know, breakfast is done and Chris is doing some school classes on her computer, her laptop. And I look at Krista and like the worst sight of all things, 
I see a wire coming down from her plugged into the computer. And I looked at her with horror and I was like, Krista, what are you doing? And she like looks back at me in horror, like what? And I'm like, why are you using wired headphones? I just bought you some AirPods. She's like, but I thought they were for the treadmill. I'm like, no, babe, here's how wireless headphones work. Any digital device, you can actually hook them up to them and you can listen to whatever is on that digital device. She's like, oh, so I go over there and they're not actually hooked up to her laptop yet, but I just hand them to her like thinking that she would just hook them up. And so like, she like gets all excited. She's like, oh, I get to use my new headphones. And she starts like, I don't even know what she's doing. She starts like typing in the computer. And like, she looks at me and she says, hey, babe, how do I log into these? And I was like, it's like, babe, you don't log in to headphones. And I'm like laughing. And then she realizes finally what she says. And I'm like, babe, we hook these up through Bluetooth. There's no logging into these things. And so um, my wife received uh, the incredible flaw of being technologically challenged. But thank God I am so blessed with so much technology skills. Um, you know, you're welcome, baby. And I love you so much. But we both had a, a really good laugh about that. But hey, here's the truth as we kind of close things up today. Here's the truth. Like Jacob and his family, we all have a lot of baggage. And we don't come from perfect families. And, 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 I, and I want you to kind of see something. I, I know that you guys are in awe over my drawing right now. And... Um, I'll erase it after this service, but if you want to take a picture of it, you can later. But here's what's so amazing about God, and and here's what's so amazing about how he deals with people, is that Esau went and had some family members of his own, and these guys over here, Esau and Ishmael, they, they began to start I know my writing is amazing. They become Gentile nations all over the world. And through Isaac and Jacob, as we are going to learn, that Jacob has 12 sons. And through Jacob, God desires to bless all of the Gentile world and all of his world through this family. And it's really interesting as we look at scripture, but Jacob's sons end up being called in scripture, the 12 tribes, God's chosen people, his chosen children. Is it because God doesn't care about the rest of the world and he hasn't chosen to love the rest of the world? No, God has chosen to bless the rest of the world through this specific family. And As we continue to read the rest of scripture, we realize that because of the promise that was given to Abraham, God wanted to bless the world with blessings that this family could not contain that was going to spill over literally to the rest of the world. And we know that through one of the specific tribes of Jacob come this man and this person's name is Jesus. And when we think about the blessings and the promise that was given to Abraham for a place and a people and blessings that cannot be contained. You know, um, I, I often have thought about a scripture. It's in Galatians 3.14. It's on the scripture. It's on the screen. 
And, and here's what this scripture says. It says this. It says, he redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And there was a time where I read that scripture and I was like, wait a minute, you know, I, I'm blessed because of what Christ has done in me. How, how many would agree with that? But what Christ did was because of his promise that he made to Abraham. And because of the lineage, because of God's word through this family, we're actually blessed and we participate in the promises of Abraham. And the promises of Abraham is not a place, but it's a person. And his name is Jesus. And today, I want us to just kind of consider some things about our family of origin. I want you to consider some things about your life. And I think it would be really appropriate today. And if you've got a fill in the blank or maybe you downloaded it, I want to prepare you to write a few things down on your fill in the blank. I think one of the things that we learn about family of origin is that there's good things and bad things passed down to us. And we can wipe things under the rug or we can deal with them. And, and I want you to know that as long as we try to keep things under the rug and in the dark, it's really hard to be delivered from what's in the dark. And today, I just want you to just kind of bow your heads, look at your paper, grab a, grab a tablet, pull out a note. And I want you just to take about 30 seconds, and I want you to write down three to five favorable traits that you receive from your family. You may be adopted into a new family, but I want you to think about the people that have inputted into your life and, and just scribble them down. It just what are, what are three to five favorable traits that have been passed down to you? And I want you to think for a moment, probably won't have to think too hard, I want you to think about three to five flawed traits that were passed down to you. What are some things that you've seen in your family of origin that have been a struggle for your parents and grandparents and siblings that maybe you struggle with? Just kind of scribble those down. And this is really just a starting point to your growth. This is a starting point to the discipleship process. And I would encourage you to take time this week and just go even deeper. Maybe make your own family of origin map. Maybe just next to each parent, write down favorable traits, write down flawed traits. Maybe maybe you would want to interview your family and, and just kind of get to know parts of your family that maybe you don't know. And perhaps maybe you would recognize some new things in you. Why is all this important? It's important because of this. Because as we discover the favorable traits and the flawed traits in our life, we ask the next most important question that every believer should ask. And the question is this, Holy Spirit, show me the traits that you want me to keep. And show me the traits that you want me to surrender. Surrender. 
Not change because you can't change it. You can only surrender them. See, there's only one person that can transform our hearts and minds. There's only one person that can deliver us from terrible, flawed traits, and his name is Jesus. But when we've got a blind eye to things and we don't recognize what God wants to do in our life, sometimes it's hard to look for him and seek the change that he's trying to do inside of us.